Peace tie. Hello, podcast listeners. It's Wildcat Minute, where we talk about High School Musical 3, senior year, one minute at a time. I'm Condra. And my name is Tyler. And today we're talking about Minute 42 of High School Musical 3, senior year. Minute 42 starts out with Chad asking if you will please be my date to the senior prom. Me? To Taylor. Oh, okay. Not Tyler, Taylor? Taylor, yeah. (laughs) And then ends with Jason thinking that the tux is too baggy. Oh, dear. Well, halfway through this minute, we start getting a song, which was quite the surprise. Surprise. Uh, But let's talk about the promposal. Yeah, I was I was surprised by the wording. I think I think it actually helps to have a slightly different mm-hmm. wording because like, will you go to prom with me is so tired as a as an expression. But would you be my date to the senior prom? Is, no, will you please? Will you please? My... Yeah, right. He even used his he even used the magic word. I know. So Taylor has to say yes. That's how that works, <laughs> right? You don't create false expectations in children that anytime they use the word please, they automatically will get what they want. (laughs) That's not how it works. Adults don't really say please that often. What's with that? Like, it's not like you're training them for adulthood with that. Yeah. You know, like you go up to, you know, if you go to Starbucks and you say, may I please have a grande whatever. Yeah. (laughs) But you could also say, may I have a... Or you just order. Yeah. <laughs> like, no one, no one really pays attention to what what people are polite about anymore. Yeah. Especially if you're just asking for someone to do work for you, it's like, well, you're asking for me to do something anyway. I think the difference, like with your example, like, or if I left something at the house and I was hoping someone could bring it to me, I think that would be more. I messed up. Can you please make up for my mistake? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. As opposed to, hey, I'm ordering a drink at 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 your Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks or drink of choice. Yeah, I think that like the difference between saying the word please and being polite, they're not like equal. Yeah, no, not at all. (laughs) All right, interesting tangent. So, So Taylor has to confirm with the gals. Yeah, there's a big awe from the crowd, though. Like, <laughs> like they're all listening in. and Yeah, again, unusual for a high school to care about the, the people who have made themselves the center of attention in this moment. Usually it's like, eh, s- screw you, I was eating my lunch. <laughs> yeah, very Spider-Man-esque. You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about... The, the scene at in the cafeteria in Spider-Man oh, where I mean, he, yeah, accidentally, there's that too. he accidentally dumps food on Flash Thompson and gets into a fight. I mean, yes, that too. Flash Thompson in that movie, played by Joe Manganiello. Really? Yeah. I did not realize that. I haven't watched that movie in so long. It's been it's been. He, he does not return in any of the sequels. It's just no. it happens that, you know, Flash Thompson is the name of the character. Yeah. I just processed the Magic Mike movies at my library. Oh. And I had to type his name in. Nice. Yeah. And you said so now you now you know how to spell Manganello really well? No, I only have to do it once, so <laughs> anyway. Um, so we didn't mention in the last minute that Taylor's sitting at the table with Gabriella and Martha and Kelsey. I guess it goes without saying. 
We did say that they were the gal pals, so. Yeah, I said that just now, though. No, you said that in the last minute. Okay. Because they turned when they all turned their back on on Chad. And Martha okay. had a good has a good smirk on her face throughout all of this. She's like, this is adorable. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's nice in this minute is we do get a sort of a look between Gabriella and Troy. Mm-hmm. So it's some of the, like the some of the filmmaking flashes that you can do are like, you know, cut to other people, like like mm-hmm. see reaction shots and not just like have a wide shot of everything going on. It would have been interesting if we saw like Sharpay like Ooh, looking yeah. on from the background, being like rolling her eyes, like ah, this is so cringe or whatever Sharpay would say because that's not the word that they would use in no. two thousand nine. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's definitely, I think Taylor turning her back on Chad and not just answering for herself in this is really like what pushes me to that, the, the little, the thoughts I had in the last minute, I think are epitomized with her not being able to like answer for herself. Like what is she going to say? Cuddling up with the, with the girls? I what. Like, what? Is she going to be like, eh, that wasn't good enough? No. Well, here's the thing. When, when, she, when she huddles up with the girls, right, mm-hmm. they, they put all their heads together. If you look closely, they're not really saying anything. <laughs> their lips aren't really moving. They're not talking. They're just kind of putting on the performance of like, okay, but let's pretend still, that that's we're... awful. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but also, this is all so dumb. This shouldn't be it's happening. All, it's all a ritual. It's all a performance. You're very right about that. Like, like the boy, like the boy is standing on his own, and the girl has her pack to work with. Yeah, it's like a lion in the lionesses. Yeah, and so yeah, it's like okay, let's decide. But there's no decision. Like, they already know the answer. It's just... Do we? At this point, Taylor's just, been awful. Maybe Chad should just break up with her. I suppose the sort of... If the ritual is, let's make Chad suffer through this a little bit just to have a laugh at him, then that's obviously mean. Yes. But I think the idea of, like, pretending to whisper in a huddle is always funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is funny. But, like, it's not... It doesn't bring anything to this scene yeah i i don't know if it's an intentional choice or not but them not talking in the huddle does bring something to the scene for me yeah no that is good i'll give you that one (laughs) and then we get this sort of like music cue of like yeah there's some intense strings and taylor stands up and sort of walks two steps over to chad and says i'd be honored to and then everyone bursts into applause yeah Big smiles. Taylor. It is kind of tacky. Ch- they hug yeah. and then. Yeah, Troy gives Chad his basketball back and he's like, I've got to shoot some hoops. Like, <laughs> I guess shooting hoops is not necessarily a good way to relieve stress because it's not like. Like, I guess if it's just a generic word, like term for run around in the gym for a little bit to, mm-hmm. to you know, get this energy out, then great. But like, specifically shooting a ball, like. You jump once, and then if it doesn't go in, that doesn't relieve any tension. <laughs> yeah, it could be something with, like, the ritual element of shooting hoops. Like, some people, like, we've seen Troy, like, have a, okay, I'm going to stand here, do this act. Like, there's a repetition element to it. 
I know I used to be like, there'd be sometimes it'd be like, okay, I just need to go through the motion of pitching just to like feel better. Yeah. If he had said like, I got to sprint around the, the, the school right now, that'd be like, Oh, that'd be like an interesting writing choice or something. Like there's always opportunities to, you know, punch up this sort of moment. <laughs> yeah. But I did notice the music cues in this bit. I was like, hey, these are like strings going fast. And then like it building and building. And then it's like, oh, that's a that's a nice like I didn't have to notice it, but I did kind of like it. Yeah, it's very TV movie esque. Like, you know, a regular TV show wouldn't have this moment because it'd be like a laugh track type. Yeah. In a movie, right, you have the production, you have the music in the background. Yeah. And Troy's very happy for Chad. It's it's very cute that he's like, you nailed it. Like, And then the girls on the other half of the screen are all huddled together, excited again. They've, they've all stood up to stand around Taylor. Yeah. Oh, here's a question from the last minute. Okay. What's in tuna surprise? I feel like, like, isn't it like a tuna casserole? Where there may well, be what's some, the like, surprise? Could be whatever vegetables they've included or... What other things are labeled a surprise? Usually casseroles, just in general. Like, because they're like, oh, these kind of things. You never know what's going to be in it. Let me... I'm Googling tuna surprise. I'm also looking up tuna surprise. Because I'm seeing butter, panko breadcrumbs. Potato chips or cornflakes or fried onions as, like, the topping. Looks like sometimes there's vegetables in it. Is tuna the surprise? Is like, oh, it's a casserole. Oh, but there's tuna. Oh, like, oh, that's a nice treat. I'm sorry. Tuna in a school cafeteria just sounds like the worst idea ever. Like, tuna smells so strong. And especially when you bake it. I'm seeing butter, panko, Parmesan cheese, parsley, olive oil, mushrooms, shallots, garlic, Thyme, salt and pepper, flour, dry white wine. So, but that's that's like you know this is fancy recipe. Yeah. Half and half Dijon mustard, tarragon, egg noodles. Yeah. And tuna. I see nothing in there that's a surprise other than the flashiness of the white wine in this slightly fancy recipe. Yeah, I'm seeing a version that uses Kraft mac and cheese. So now, now I'm just curious about the origin of like the, what, the what colloquialism surprise, to tuna surprise, su- yeah, of surprise as a food term. I wonder if it has like I don't know. So this is speculation time. You know when people bring casseroles to people when they're sick or married or dying or baby or any of those kind of things. Like at what point was tuna more expensive than? your other kind of casseroles that you'd be making like a shepherd's pie or other sort of meat pies or casseroles that it would be like, Hey, this one's a little fancier. It's tuna. All right. That's my speculation. <laughs> On the website, cook pad, 254 easy surprise recipes. I got egg surprise, salad surprise, tulips, Congo inspired pumpkin leaf surprise, Blueberry surprise. I don't. Is it like a layering idea? Like there, like you see the top layer, but you don't see the bottom layer. It could be. It could be a oh, what's underneath this? 
Because, like, tuna casserole tends to have that, like, bready top. And then you're like, oh, what's the meat underneath? Mashed potatoes and gravy surprise. Surprise is actually molasses, not gravy. Yeah, this is not, we don't have time to research this right now. But anyway. (laughs) Call me on Monday and let me do it as a reference question. So then I'm getting paid for it. (laughs) It's cafeteria. It's very cafeteria inspired to be like, oh, call something a surprise or call something um, blank day or Mm -hmm. or blank or taco madness or like something like that. Like I was just um, so I'm reading one of my book group books for this next month. And um, it is a science based book. And um, they were it's like how certain elements were uncovered in like the history of the periodic table and that kind of stuff. Um, And the evolution of utilizing lead and like tracking lead in certain items and stuff. A guy sprinkled hot. So he like lived at a a classic home where like there was a, a housewife who would make all the food for the res the tenants kind of thing. And he sprinkled hot lead into the f- like the batch the day prior because he was curious if, if she was reusing the meat day after day, despite saying it was fresh meat every day. And so he like poured hot lead into it. And then like the next day he like used his count, like his detector and is like, hey, there's still lead in this. That is unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was the 1800s, so or earlier. <laughs> But, you know, um, just putting sand in your bread and lead in your meat. Sure. Yeah. It's so funny. This book just all the time is like, hey, people used to like just lick so many things and called it science. <laughs> like, thank goodness we don't lick everything anymore. Um, Unless you're a geologist. <laughs> yep. Then then you have to. <laughs> Um, I only had to lick when I was on my archaeological dig. I only think I had to like lick like two things. And I was like, I feel like this is a win. I had to tell if they were bone or not. And I was like, "Ah, let me lick it. All right. So, Um, yeah. So we have this interesting matched cut here. Yeah. Where Troy and Chad walk off, like off to the right. And then they they sort of walk in from the left Mm-hmm. into a new set and it's actually this like a staged set yeah and we're all of a sudden in a musical number mm-hmm. this has to be one of the more interesting transitions or you know surreal moments that a high school musical movie has done like yeah it's it's a really cool transition jumping right into a song and having that sort of artifice of the stage is the setting and they're mm-hmm. singing about getting ready for prom. Uh, the song is called A Night to Remember. Indeed it is. It is written by Matthew Gerard and Robbie Neville and then produced by Matthew Gerard. So our classic guys doing a song. And this is like a full cast kind of song too. Like Kelsey and Martha are singing. Yeah. And Jason and Zeke. <laughs> and Zeke. It, it, basically like the premise of the beginning is like chad the realization like chad's like oh i can't back out now like it's official it's happening we're getting ready for prom yeah so with with the whole um you know stage aspect the idea is that this is both you know realistically what our characters are psychologically going through 
and it's the performance of the the senior year play mm-hmm. or a rehearsal, I suppose. But it's the song that is taking place in the play, and it's the song that's taking place in their real life at the same time, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have two different settings here. We've got the boys' dressing rooms, which is, I don't know about you, but it just reminded me of the Kingsman tailor shop. Just like it's very like rich greens and golds and it's it's mostly got like the steps and then like four dressing room alcoves in the back. Yeah. Versus the girl set, which has like a little like mini rotunda stage in the middle and then like yeah, two it's doors very in like the back. bridal Yeah. Wedding like wedding dress venue kind of place where there's like a place for the audience to sit on with the big mirrors for the person wearing the dress to stand and then there's a few racks of dresses where there's no tuxes or suits visible for the boys and then i guess you're right the color schemes of each set right the uh the the boys set is a little bit more like austere and like elk's lodgy yeah it's rich (laughs) green and gold and then the girls have like pale grays blues creams and so they're they're all wearing the same outfits as they were just wearing in the scene we were watching yeah which again matches with like oh this is just the rehearsal that they're doing that day mm-hmm. and it matches up with the the feelings they're having and maybe maybe chad's not nervous about going to prom this is just his role in the play is to pretend yeah. to be nervous yeah. About going to the prom. It's like, you know what? I'm going to practice. <laughs> then later on when we get Jason be like, do we have to dress up? That feels like it's pretty one-to-one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we do get to see something cool um, with Jason. So when Zeke and Jason walk in and they're asking slash singing. Do we have to dress up for the prom? Dude, <laughs> I don't think we have the choice. They're kind yeah. of talk singing throughout the yeah. whole minute. Yeah, it's like clearly they were not cast in this role to sing. But everyone's doing the talk singing. I'm sure they could sing fine. Yeah, like I like that Troy's like, don't panic. And Chad is like, panic. panic. Like that's a good. They do this weird thing where like there's a a tailor like measuring, measuring his sizes. Yeah. And she's like measuring up his pant leg like up to his crotch area when he says panic, which is like a weird bit of blocking and choreography to do. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I was like, I don't think you do it's that? super weird. Cause I mean, if you've never been sized for anything like that before, it is weird to realize how intimate tailors like have to, to be with your body. Yeah. I just didn't feel like it needed to be in this scene of this movie. <laughs> That's fair. But like, I think it is also kind of realistic for a young person getting form fitted for something where like, because teens aren't comfortable with their bodies. Interestingly, there's there's a a tailor on screen, but it's not Taylor. Taylor. Taylor's on screen in a in another flash when all the girls have like these little prom dresses and stuff and they're like holding them up to themselves Yes, they're still and, like, in their old outfits, their but they're holding the dress like over their body. Yeah, and just swishing to see what it may look like on them. And it's mostly Kelsey and Martha like taking yeah, the center of attention. Yeah, they've got the lead. Yeah, and here. 
We haven't really heard, we've heard Kelsey sing a little, but not like in a solo kind of. It doesn't moment. really sound like it doesn't sound like her now. Alessia Rulin or Martha really. It's weird that they're like it's the night of all nights. Like gotta look just right, right? Dressing to impress the boys, and I love Kelsey's face when she's like, mm. <laughs> "Yes, <laughs> I thought that was a good." Like the writer writes the song and but, whatever. And yeah. then the actors have to interpret the song. And we Kelsey do get this. Kelsey knows like, her character. <laughs> Kelsey's like, I'm not dressing to impress anyone but me. <laughs> well, if she's going to prom with Ryan, it's like, okay, well, I don't need to impress Ryan. <laughs> yeah. I also like when Jason and Zeke are singing, we see Jason's version of a promposal. Which is a t-shirt. He's wearing a basically a blank wh- white t-shirt that's had written onto it. Well, we don't see all of it. We see Jason plus M. M-A. And then if you look real close, you can see Jason plus M-A equals prom? Question mark. And so we have to assume that that's Martha. Yeah. There's no one named Mary or anything. Not that we know of. And that would be or a big Or if there wasn't twist. an A, it could be Jason plus Miss Darbus, but Ooh. that wouldn't be right. No. <laughs> that would be really funny. That's like um, uh, Fred and George from Harry Potter asking Professor McGonagall to the Triwizard Ball. Did they do that? What? They did. Yeah, in the book. They just they asked the-, the teacher? What? Yeah, they had like an argument over who was going to ask McGonagall to the dance. And then McGonagall's like, boys, no. <laughs> okay i don't remember that specific detail that's disturbing so yeah it, it it's we don't get a lot of the song but it's clearly like a prom preparation kind of song like the boys are trying on tuxes and suits and asking like chad asked should i go vintage classic, classic vintage, vintage or, or plaid? plaid and he's wearing a plaid Classic versus vintage is a difficult distinction. What do those mean? Classic would be just like your black and white. Maybe vintage is a white on black or like. I guess classic implies like a modern classic and vintage implies like an older classic. But classic can also describe an old thing, too. So, yeah. But he's wearing a plaid one. And Zeke's just wearing like a paisley tug. Like it's his is weird. It's like tan and got ruffles. Like the boys are being done dirty here. I didn't get a good look at Zeke's, um, because it kind of he just says where's the mirror, and then it cuts over to Jason. Jason I think this tux who's is too wearing baggy. an oversized tux and has got like his little arms dangling. No, they're all wearing very like weird choices that like no teenage boy would actually wear to a prom. Yeah, it's like Hollywood prom. Like, you know, this is not what you get from Wen's warehouse. No. Yeah, we get first glimpses at like some of the dresses the girls are considering and then the boys with their joke tuxes and It's interesting. Is is this meant to be like the night like like the couple hours before prom and they're like getting ready the day of? I think Or is it just like generally like picking out your outfits? I think it's generally picking out your outfits and like, okay, what are the expectations and what am I doing? <laughs> I think there's some broad generalizations about how boys get ready for prom and how girls get ready for prom that are on yes. display here. Absolutely. If you'll allow me to con- make some conjectures. Sure. So at this stage of like picking out outfits, it's a little fun for girls because they get to see all the, the variety of the dresses. 
Uh, maybe it's stressful because it's expensive and you and and there's pressure for, for you to look just right. But it's sort of like exciting for boys. It's like I have no idea what I'm supposed to look like or and I have no ex- expectations of how this is going to go. So I'm just sort of guessing what my date will like or guessing what looks good on me because I don't have any experience. But then when you get to the night of prom, the sort of the, it sort of reverses the boys just have to put on a tux and they're like, I look great. This is easy. And then the girls have to be like panic mode. Everything has to look just right. Otherwise I will be, this night will be ruined. So we're in the sort of planning stage right now where it's meant to be a little bit more fun. Mm-hmm. Not the night of. I would also agree with that. I think there's also something you didn't mention which i think is a funny like part of the girls expectations when they're picking their outfits is they can't match they can't have the same dress as anyone else (laughs) everyone has to be unique so that's always fun and there's also this idea that the girls keep saying like this is the night of the nights like this is the big night and the boys are like ah i'm not looking forward to this which doesn't feel necessarily true everyone if you're going to prom, you're probably looking forward to it. But not everyone. Not everyone is, but that's an individual basis. It's not like boys hate prom. Yeah. So anyway, so, anything yeah, else you want more, to talk about? We get more prom in the next minute, so I think we're we're good for now. All right, time to move on to the next portion of the show. Cue the music. It's the DCOM segment where we talk about another Disney Channel original movie or a Disney theatrical movie. I don't know what Condor's got for me today, so what is it? All right. So this came to me in a flash moment recently because, you know, Disney loves their franchises. They love to take a pre-existing idea and make it something that they can capitalize on. So I thought long and hard about a franchise of books, a series of books. And Tyler, I would like you to make it into the next big franchise. Okay. If you would please, the three books written by Patricia McLean, McLean, I can never pronounce her last name, the Sarah Plain and Tall series. You can genreify it. You can give it its classic Western vibes. I have no idea what Sarah Plain and Tolly is. Oh, it's a mail order bride story. What? <laughs> so what? is this written for teens or kids? No, it or is adults? a children's book. I read this book in first grade. So it is a series that centers around the idea of a family living in the in like Kansas in the Plains area that There's a young daughter, there's an older brother and a baby brother. Their mother died giving birth to the baby brother, and the husband is very sad. So he decides he is going to look for help to raise his children from the East and sends out a, like, ad spot in the newspapers. And this woman named Sarah travels across the country to be part of their family to help raise the kids. At first, it's kind of like a nanny situation. Then it ends up they fall in love. And it's a story about, like, the family growing up in a harder conditions and, like, being alone. 
So it's not literally a mail order bride. It's more like a nanny. It, the ad reads more mail order bride, but like it's not from another country. It's more like when Western tra- like manifest destiny West travel. Like, oh, we don't have enough women out here. Let's ship some women out west. Now, when you say the east, you're saying the east coast Eastern- of America, and yes. not like. Yes. Quote, unquote, the Orient. No, I'm meaning the Eastern Seaboard of America. All right. Because Mail Order Bride also has that other connotation. So I was just making sure I understood the tone. So, okay. And it takes place in like settler, like. Like 1850-ish. Yeah. Um. Part of it so too it's like Little is House she's on the like Prairie. a teacher. Like she's formerly a teacher and brings them like education and enrichment opportunities. Where in... did she used to be a nun too? That, no, a, a, she did a not gifted to... musical nun. No, no, it is not Sound of Music. Uh. But it, there are three of them, and they're all like them growing up and like dealing with environmental so, challenges and So Sarah's the name of the 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 wife, future wife. The the young slash adult woman? Yes. Yeah, the the 20-something woman who comes out west who is very homesick and it's even got a little bit of beauty and the beast vibes in that she's like I can't go home but I really want to go home. My my sister is pregnant and is it like episodic or is it like No, it's it's no, it's it's a a traditional novel where well the first one is um and the the second the second the second and third one are too but like it's it's your someone out of place in a new area and trying to figure out how to fit into a family and and why is she plain and tall? Because that is part of the description. So when she writes a response to the ad, she's like, I am plain and tall. Like, that is my description. So when I get off the train, you know how to find me. All right. But there's no there's no pun there about, like, the plains of Kansas no. or something? No. And her name's just Sarah? Yeah. And there's three kids and three then, like, kids. a dad. Is the dad, yeah. like, a curmudgeon or is he, like, He's a, a little curmudgeon. He's just very sad. And then okay. he has to have his heart thawed by Sarah and the kids again. So it so it is kind of like Sound of Music in the sense that like the dad's kind of a. a he's not a like hard... wealthy or like he's just he's just a normal dude working. Is he to set in his survive. ways or is he? No, no. He, I mean, he asked for someone to come out and like open to. All right. He he so. just hasn't connected with anyone for a while, so he needs to be yeah. he needs to come out of his shell. Yeah. All right. So I thought you knew what this this book series was because like Sarah Plain and Tall won the Newbery Award and like it's a pretty famous like book series and stuff. So I figured you knew what no, it was. No, it sounds I'm like sorry. we could cast this. Okay. So you want to do a traditional traditional ca- uh, version of it then, and not genreify it at all? Um. I mean, th- there can be. It can be a series and there can be a Halloween episode. I don't really, really okay. like. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> I don't see what genre to put it in other than like, you know, you could Riverdale it up a little bit, but. Okay, no, that's fine. I If you'd have known, I would have, I would have guessed you'd have gone like a space route with it, like a sci-fi kind of. Oh. But well, let's just go. Let's cast it. Yeah. So we need we need like a a 30 or 40 something for the man. Yeah. 
For some reason, the first name that came to mind for me was Alan Tudyk as like a Disney workhorse, although he's 52. Yeah, I don't think he would quite, if this would have been made in like the 90s, yeah, I think he would have been a good cast choice for it. Or the the mid 2000s. Yeah. So who else, who else is a, is a classic like Disney middle of the road? Hmm. Um, This is the sort of thing that like Josh Peck would do these days. Oh yeah. But he's, he's almost, I mean- He's 36 years old, but he's almost too young presenting. I think, I think, yeah, he, he, there, there needs to be a little bit of world weariness, I feel like, in the father figure. Like, I'm trying to, what about, like, Nicholas Holt? Because I think Josh Peck is too funny. Nicholas Holt is also too quirky, though. Okay. Um, Uh, Josh Hutcherson. Hutcherson could be good. I think I think he would be good. I mean, he's he's finale, a good like every man. Yeah. Type. And he's got that sadness to him sometimes. I think I think Josh would be a good pick here. He is 31 years old. But in FNAF, he looks older. I don't know. Is if he in the new the... Five Nights at Freddy's movie? Yeah, he is. He's the main character. Does that come out next weekend? It does. Yeah. And, you know, something like Robert Pattinson would be like too big and too famous. I also think, I think Josh Hutcherson has the appeal of like, he is from Appalachia. So I think he could pull off like a, a farmer vibe. It's so weird. Cause these are like young actors that are now like in their thirties. <laughs> Congratulations, Tyler. We're old. <laughs> but like, even then, like the, something that's happened overall with, the, the movie stars of this generation and it's happened before in like the forties and fifties is that like the standard leading man, which 20 years ago was in his twenties or thirties is now just Robert Downey Jr. Or Tom Cruise or Brad yeah. Pitt or right. There's they're, they're getting older and older and older. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like Jimmy Stewart who would be like 60 and still doing like a regular drama now it's like, oh, it's still just action movies that they're doing. Yeah. So I like I like Josh Hutcherson as our as our father. Yeah, so, dressing him up as a farmer. Like yeah, are they I'm here? Do they live I'm, on a farm or do they just yeah, live they like live in a, a town? Farm. Yeah. Okay. All right. And, and then Sarah. And then I mean, Sarah. The, I think the kids like are whatever. Like Yeah, the kids are the kids. Sarah needs to be a little bit younger. Yes. And has like a brightness to her. She's vivacious and I mean, I'm always gonna I'm always gonna come to bat for Sersha Ronan. Ooh. That's very Brooklyn of her. <laughs> yes, yeah, Brooklyn to Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's twenty nine, so yeah. she's not like distinctly younger. I don't know if there's like an age thing going there on. There is an age difference between them in the book. But like, also reflective of the time period, kind of thing. But also, Saoirse Ronan still plays like young twenties. Yeah, I'm I mean, to not think. much like in the last couple of years, like when she was in that mystery movie. Oh yeah, I uh, see how they run. Yeah, she was like playing like adult character. Like it's noticed that she's like she's young, but she's like old enough to not be living with her parents, but still is or something. Yeah. Yeah. Someone not super like glamorous, I feel like. And I hate to say it, but I feel like she might be a little too glam. Yeah. And Florence Pugh is, is also flawless. too. 
obvious. She's 27 years old. Yeah. Millie Bobby Brown is still 19. This doesn't really seem like her vibe. No, it doesn't. Obviously. So now I have to Google actresses in their 20s, which is something you love to do. Haley Steinfeld could work for this. (gasps) Yeah, I actually think she'd be a... Yeah, that might be fun. Because she has a lot of energy and, like, good vibes about her. And... And and she has, like, West in her in her yeah. origins as an actor. She was in True Grit. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. I actually like that cast a lot. <laughs> Josh Hutcherson and Haley Steinfeld. Haley and they Steinfeld. do feel they do feel enough like they're from a slightly different generation. Mm-hmm. Even though there really is only a five year difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um it, this is this is pretty you know, star, like, I'd say these are slightly bigger actors than Disney would necessarily get, but I guess mm-hmm. if it's, like, the two actors they're banking, like, uh, a movie or, like, prestige TV show around, then it's so, about right. Yeah. So, um, just for clarification, too, there was a TV version, TV movie version made in the early 90s, but it didn't really get anywhere, it had uh, Glenn Close and Christopher Walken as the, the oh main. boy, yeah. <laughs> so um, I think going with a more sincere cast gives some some groundedness to it. It's interest. It's interesting because Hutcherson does feel too young almost, but don't want to make it weird. Like I think I think they're trying to do both ways. Like they want it to be like true to the story, where it's like an older guy and a younger. Girl, like adult girl, woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also, like, they want to have like the two hot stars. Yeah. On screen together. Yeah, I I totally imagine kind of like the the sepia tones of holes when they're back in time, like the origins of Kate Barlow, and oh, <laughs> like there's that like filter on it. If Shia LaBeouf wasn't. Yeah. A bad person. He's 37. Like this would be this would be a role that he could do. Yeah, I just don't know if it would work. I I, I'm not against Josh Hutcher. I think Josh Hutcherson's the good cast here. I'm Haley Haley Sittenfeld, I'm like not against, but I'm just also at the same time like "Mm, I'm not about Dave Franco. Do I know who that is? It's James Franco's younger brother. Okay. (laughs) I Was he in, like, Pitch Perfect or something? He's in Now You See now Me you in see 21 Jump Street. Okay, so it's probably 21 Jump Street I know of him. What about Rupert Grint doing an American accent? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be down for that. That'd be a good one, actually. I think he would actually be really funny in that. Like, that'd be a funny... Is it comedic or is it, like... It's not. It's very sincere. It's like Sarah is sad sometimes because she misses her home the kids are sad because like their so mother is netflix made and with an e and that's Anne yeah. of green gables yeah and that's very like very very sincere and like you know it's shot in a sort of a prestige like mm-hmm. you know vivid colors way and it's like you know dramatic and melodramatic in all the right ways i suppose mm-hmm. and i suppose this is just disney's equivalent of that yeah, but I don't think it like I don't 
I think it could be a movie. Like, I don't think it necessarily has to be a TV show or anything. There's, like, not... The book's not very long or anything. It's more character growth and development. It's all these interactions between these people. Yeah, it's not the type of thing that people... It's not, like, the sort of mid-budget movie that they make anymore. Yeah. I would argue that they should make those, but... When I was when I was trying to realistically imagine it in my head, I was like, "This feels like a show that they would try to do and that no one would watch." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but um, it's not flashy or bit like it is kind of on your Little Women or your Anne of Green Gables movie style, where it's just like, "Yep, it is." Even I think it, I think Jane Austen's a wrong comparison because like just time and place are so so different. Though that like characters interacting with each other having these moments like yeah it's it's living in the setting and it's Mm -hmm. letting the interactions be the be the center of attention as opposed to like a plot per se yeah all right well i think we talked about it i don't yeah don't know much thank you much more to say i think casting is always an interesting exercise well thank you for dream casting sega dream casting oh boy (laughs) <laughs> all right well that Let's was minute 42 <laughs> of high school musical three senior year and our cast of sarah plain and tall is Haley steinfeld tall i don't think so that probably should have like led our searching a little yeah more. i should have just i we should have just picked tall. the girl from tall girl you know uh anne hathaway if she was not Although she still looks the same as she was when she was in Princess Diaries 1, so. <laughs> Haley Steinfeld is 5'8". So she's not really tall, per se. And Josh Hutcherson is 5'5". Five five. Well, she's taller than Josh, but Josh is notoriously short. But I think we got it. Jennifer Lawrence is only 5'9". Yeah. Speaking of people who have acted opposite of Josh Hutcherson. What about um the girl from Bridge to Terabithia? Is that Anna Sophia Robb? I think so. Well, she's 29 years old and she's five foot zero, so. Oh, never mind. Darn. <laughs> so she's not tall, but it would be cool to have them reunite in a movie. <laughs> that would be. Although I don't know how much she acts anymore, so. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't think much at all. Well, we went back into it, so I'm going to try and wrap <laughs> it again. Until next People can time, find you can us on social media, on Instagram at Amateur Nerds. Or on Tumblr at Wildcat Minute. You can send us an email to amateurnerdspresent at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know your favorite blonde actress from the mid-2000s. Dakota Fanning. Ooh. Uh, Elle Fanning in The Great is just so good. Um, <laughs> or if you have any movies or properties that you'd want us to dreamcast we're we're always happy to take ideas special thanks to our artist theo golden at t golden art on instagram and our musician joe winslow whom you can find at joewinslowmusic.com i've been Condra, and i've been tyler we'll see you next time to find out if this song becomes interesting you can bet on it